0: When an athlete gets out on the floor of the field and he performs, he competes, at the end everybody stands up and they clap and they cheer and the athlete gets the glory. When a musician gets up and sings a song or performs a musical instrument, and at the end everybody competes and, or com- stands up and sings and, and uh, they're excited and, and they shout and the musician is given glory. When we come here this morning We sing songs, we pray, and we give God all that attention, and He gets all the glory. That's what we do when we come on Sunday mornings, and truly, He is the one who deserves all the glory. And so when we spend this time worshiping, it's not for our sake, it's for His. So we come here to give Him glory, to sing and to pray. Uh, Would you please open up your Bibles with me? Um, We're going to be multiple places. John 14 is where we're going to start. While you're turning to John 14, um, it's good to see Bill and Bonnie here. I know you've gone through so much health-wise and good to have you here. There's many others who we've been praying for, continue to pray. Um, Rhonda, thank you for getting the prayer concerns out again. Uh, Good news with Greg's father. We're glad that he uh, got through his surgery well and he's recuperating. Is this a little echoey or is it me? It's a little, yeah, it's like. Womp, womp, womp. Okay. okay, 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 okay. I don't know, I'm sorry, it's just me. Um, I feel like I'm at a race, car NASCAR. <laughs> uh, now listen, I'm not a NASCAR fan, and that's not leading into this, but um, we used to, back in the day, when Dan Van Dock was here, NASCAR was the code word for nap, okay? So on a Sunday afternoon, hey, what you doing this afternoon? I'm uh, thinking of watching NASCAR. Gotcha. He's taking a nap. So that was sort of the code word, right? Um, I'm not a NASCAR fan, but my mom, she'll, every now and then, she gets a hold of me, she's like, did you see who won Indy 500? It's like, no, mom. I, I know it's big for you, okay, at 83. But anyway, um, that's my mom. Um, she lets me know who's winning the races. Anyway. Um, it's, I would hear this from a race car driver, if you're a race car driver. Matter of fact, if you're a mechanic in the room, if you work on cars, okay, you would probably say this, it's important to know what's under the hood, right? It's important to know what's under the hood. That's what all uh, drivers would say before they enter a race, before they put a car on the track, before they hit triple digits heading around in circles or ovals, okay? Um, they want to know what's under the hood. They want to know how much power is underneath that hood. Me, I just want to make sure that when I start it up, it goes and gets me from point A to point B. But everybody says, Rex, you need to know what's under the hood, right? Thank you. Teach me, masters, okay? I want to know what's under the hood. Help me understand this, right? Okay, so on Sunday morning now, here's my turn to look at you and say, you all need to know what's underneath your hood, spiritually speaking. You need to know what God's given you. If you were to open you up and say, so what is it that I've got spiritually going on inside me? Let me tell you, you need to know what's going on underneath the hood, spiritually speaking. Before you leave the house and you go to work and school or journey in life, do you know what kind of power do you have? Do you know what kind of power it takes to live this life and to do it spiritually right and to survive or at least do well? Do you know what God's promised you? It's important that you know, actually, it's absolutely essential that you know what's going on inside your life, okay? So when we opened up the Bible last week, we opened up to John chapter 14, and we started in verse 16 and 17, and in that passage, Jesus had been speaking to his disciples, and in John chapter 14, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father... And he'll give you another advocate or counselor or comforter, depending on which translation you're reading, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you and later will be in you. We discovered as we read uh, and studied the Bible the Holy Spirit is a person just as much as Jesus. And we said this gets a little weird for people because they're not quite sure what the Holy Spirit is or who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a person, part of the Trinity. We talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches there's one eternal God who is creator and sustainer of the universe, but within that one God exists these three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And these three persons are one God. Holy Spirit is called God, although he is a distinct person. Now, that's who the Holy Spirit is. We're on agreement with that, according to what the scriptures teach. But the average Christian is probably a little bit more perplexed and questioning, but I have no clue what the Holy Spirit is actually doing in my life. And I see people talking, or hear people talk about it, and I sort of wonder. And again, God's Word gives us great insight into what the work of the Holy Spirit does. And so last week we learned a few things, so we're going to review them real quick. The Holy Spirit is active in the sanctification, the growing part of our faith. The Holy Spirit inspires us through God's Word. The Holy Spirit gives specific gifts to individuals within the church. Each of us have a gift or two that God's given you. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. The role of the Holy Spirit is primarily to glorify Jesus Christ. When you learn about the about Jesus Christ, and he's lifted up, it's the Holy Spirit doing that. We are not the ones to be glorified. The Holy Spirit works in that process. In John 14, we had the word advocate, which we said is also translated comforter or counselor. And it means one who is beside you to strengthen you. The Greek word for that is parakletos, okay? Parakletos. Now, I used to say parakletos, you know, because it sounded like I got a parakletes. That's how I remember that, right? Okay? Parakletos, and that's actually the way you're supposed to say it. But it means somebody who's alongside of you. We were at a camp this summer, and they actually made shirts with the Greek word right down the side of the T-shirt. And that was the thought the whole week. We want you to know that your teammate, God's Spirit, is with you wherever you go. And it was a pretty cool concept, and so you might see an orange shirt every now and then in the Stump House with that on the side. That's what it was about, right? coming from the Scripture. The Holy Spirit also gives understanding of the Scripture. Sometimes we open up God's Word and we're reading and thinking, not making a lot of sense. God, help me out with this one. And God's Spirit brings insight to Scripture that you've maybe never seen before. There's multiple times, and you've probably done this before. You've heard me preach on something, then you heard somebody else preach on the same Scripture, and either me or that other person, as you're listening, it's like, oh, oh, it makes sense now. That's how the Holy Spirit works, bringing understanding to Scripture at times that maybe you weren't understanding before. When you're discouraged, you're unsure of what to say, the Holy Spirit is with you. So we were learning all about that last week, and we also learned there's two different words for another in John chapter 14. Looking again at verse 16, it says, I'm going to give you another counselor. And we said it's important to know that there's two meanings for that Greek word, another. This particular word means one just like the first one. So when Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter, he's saying, I'm the first comforter. I'm going to give you another one exactly like me. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that one he's talking about. So the Holy Spirit being a divine person full of glory and holiness, he's taken up residency. Listen, he's taken up residency in our lives. Think about this. All that we just talked about, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. You're that walking tent that it has its dwelling in now. It should humble us, probably cause us to be a little confused, maybe excite us, but maybe drop us to our knees and say, am I really worthy to have God's Spirit within me? One of the greatest roles of the Holy Spirit, and we've talked about different things the Holy Spirit does, but one of the greatest roles of the Holy Spirit because we started thinking about this. If God's Spirit is living within me, what else is the Holy Spirit doing? And here's one of the greatest roles. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In this passage, this particular passage, I I go here because there's a lot of times in my life I don't do the things that I need to do and I do the things that I don't want to do. Wait, didn't Paul say that? Does it sound familiar? I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I need to do. And it almost sounds really confusing, but you think about that. How many times have we done things in our lives and say, I wish I'd stopped doing that? And There's other times in our lives we look at stuff and say, I wish I was more like that. I wish I did that. And you know it's the right thing to do, but sometimes we just don't step it up. When I think about that in my own particular life, I sit there and think sin habits can be so frustrating, and then there's other moments to live for Christ, and I don't do it. It's like, I really need to go call that person or visit that person, or I need to be more generous in this way, or I need to do, you know, I start coming up all these things I, I should be doing. It's like, why don't I do that more? It frustrates me. And sometimes I don't realize that God's Spirit is sitting there saying, I'm here to help you do that or to help you not do that. I want you to be victorious in your walk. So when I look at Romans chapter 8, we're going to start reading. And we'll point some things out as we go. So now there's no condemnation, that's mean a guilty verdict, okay, for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now I do a lot of underlining in my Bibles. This verse is, is, is under, underlined. Underlined and highlighted. So I guess that's a combination. Is that under highlighted? That's where it is. Okay? Here and here. Keep them with you, right? Okay. So as I look at this verse, I'm, it's a simple declaration that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I've confessed with my mouth, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, no condemnation. Okay? Since God the Father does not condemn Jesus, Neither does he condemn those who are in Jesus. Are you following me? They're not condemned. They will not be condemned and they cannot be condemned. So Christ is in believers by his spirit. And believers are in Christ by faith. Paul's saying that if we are one with Jesus and he is the head, we can't be condemned. You can't acquit the head and condemn the hand. You can't, as one author said, you can't drown the foot as long as the head is out of water. It's all connected. Joined to him, joined to Jesus, we hear this verdict, no condemnation as we are joined with him. Verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. Verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, when you think about the law, God's word, when it was first come out, that was the law. You've got to follow the law. But we discovered the law doesn't save us. The law can do many things. It can teach us. It can guide us. It can tell us about God's character. But the law cannot give energy to our flesh. It cannot give us, I mean, it can give us a standard, but it cannot give us the power to please God. The law doesn't do that. So when we're reading in Romans chapter 8 about what the law does and does not do, we start learning that the law can't defeat sin. If I want to go on and try to live this sin-free life, and I bring the Bible and hold it around with me and say, I'm not going to sin today, I'm not going to sin today, what I find out is that I sin today. Because it cannot keep me from sinning. The law doesn't defeat the sin, it can only detect sin. It tells me That's what sin is, because I was reading, oh, that's sin. Ah, it just detected it for me, but it doesn't defeat it. Only Jesus can defeat sin, and he did that through his work on the cross. And in order to defeat sin, Jesus had to identify with those who were bound by sin. That's us. So he identified with us by coming into likeness as mankind. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul carefully chooses his words here. He's indicating that Jesus was not sinful in the flesh, but he identified with us through the flesh. Simply put, Jesus is our substitute. He was treated as a sinner so we could be treated as righteous. It's an amazing thing. When you look at verse 5 in particular with what it's saying, then you read on and you see how God wants the Spirit to rule over our flesh. But when we allow our flesh to reign over the Spirit, we find ourselves bound by sinful patterns and desperation that Paul marks here in the life of, actually, Romans chapter 7. If you go back and read that, that's where the struggle's taking place. He says, our walk, this pattern of life, must be according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. So walking in the Spirit means this course, this direction that I'm taking, the progress that I'm going right now is directed by God's Spirit. It's continuing process and motion it isn't boom i'm here it's a continuation so paul gives us an easy way for us to determine are you walking in the spirit are you walking in the flesh and simply see where our mind is at the mind is the strategic battleground where things are taking place and paul says what are you thinking about where's your mindset where's your focus at when our minds are set on the things of the flesh, we bring death into our lives. When our minds are set on the things of the spirit, we bring life into our lives. So look at verse six. So let your sinful nature, I'm sorry, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law. Never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. Remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Verse 10. Christ lives within you. Underline that. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He'll give to your life, to your mortal bodies, by the same Spirit living within you. Because the Holy Spirit is given to each believer, every Christian has within themselves a principle higher and more powerful than the flesh when you confess with your mouth, when you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, His Spirit lives within you. Not later, now. His Spirit gives you victory over sin. The mind, as I said, is a battleground, and it's a struggle, right? And we have to think, okay, God, take control, right? So there's times we have to sit to say, God, am I Am I living a spirit-filled life or am I living a non-spirit-filled life? Am I, am I really focusing on you, Lord? If a person's not filled with the Holy Spirit, then we start to say, I wonder if they're a Christian at all. And so you see how this can sometimes be confusing as a Christian, thinking, am I spirit-filled or am I not spirit-filled? Am I living a spirit-filled life or am I not living a spirit-filled life? And some of you are thinking, can you just tell a funny story because I'm lost, right? Truth is, when you give your life to Christ, His Spirit is within you. How do we know that we have the Spirit ask these questions? Has the Spirit led you to Jesus? Yeah. Has the Spirit put in your heart the desire to honor Jesus? Yes, that's why I'm here this morning. I want to honor Him. I want to go with Him. Is the Spirit leading you to be more like Jesus? Yes, I'm striving. I'm trying to be more like Him. Yes. Is the Spirit at work in your heart? I believe He is. Good. Good. Not only are we in Christ but he is in us. God cannot abide in a sinful home. So the old man has to die when Jesus comes in. We read that in 8. one, right? But look at 12 and 13. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it dictates you will die. But if through the Spirit of the Holy of the Spirit. You put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Let me go back to verse 12. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So what am I telling you in all this, Romans 8? God has given us the Holy Spirit to defeat sin because the law just can't do it. It detects the sin, okay? But God's Spirit helps us defeat sin. But here's the thing, as you look at verse 12, you're under no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You mean I can say no? Exactly. Because God's Spirit lives within you, gives you the power and the right and the might to say, no, I don't have to do that. Or, yes, I can do this for the Lord. Sometimes we think we have to give in to what the world's doing. No, you don't. Because of what God's Spirit is doing within you, you're not obliged to do anything that your sinful nature screams out for you to do. Because the Spirit of the Lord within you says, no, you don't have to. You can be victorious instead. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. We're adopted into the family of God. What an incredible thing. We are brothers and sisters. You know, hey brother, hey sister. You know, it's sort of, it's like, why do we say those kind of things? Because we're part of God's family. And when you're family, you call each other brother, sister, uncle, aunt, grandma, grandpa, right? Your family, you have those terms. In the family of Christ, in the family of God, we call each other brothers and sisters. We've been adopted into his family. John chapter one, verses 12 and 13 say, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not on a physical birth, from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The other verse, Galatians 4, 5, and 7, says this. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us to be his very own children. Because we're his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call it Abba Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. In other words, we are now going to receive an incredible inheritance because God is our Heavenly Father. But the inheritance doesn't come when we die. The inheritance comes now as His Spirit is living in us and living through us and helping us be victorious. Verse 16, back at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs For God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Paul didn't say, as many as those who go to church become sons of God. As many of those who read their Bibles, they become sons of God. As many of those who are baptized or take communion, they are sons of God. He didn't say that. Where does the Holy Spirit lead us? He leads us to, first of all, repentance. God, I'm so sorry that... And you pray that prayer. He leads us to think little of ourselves and much of Jesus. He leads us into truth. He leads us into love. He leads us into holiness. He leads us into usefulness. Living as a child of God means there's an intimate, joyful relationship with God. It's not a thing of bondage and fear. It's not like I'm, I'm cowering down. I'm like fearful that God's going to do something. It's like, you know, He's my Abba Father. And He has given me His Spirit so that I can live victorious now. I don't have to live according to the law. I live according to His Spirit. So we are in Christ. Christ is in us. His Holy Spirit's working in us. And I want you to make sure as we read this scripture, because I can, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you some practical ways for how the Holy Spirit walks alongside us. But if we don't understand the foundation of the Holy Spirit within us, it makes no sense. God's Holy Spirit comes alongside us. He is in us. We have a new relationship with God through His Spirit. We are His adopted kids, right? So the Holy Spirit gives us a new status of being God's adopted child and being victorious. We've got this new status, right? So how do I how do I live with God's Spirit within me? Let's talk about how we have God's Spirit walking alongside us as we minister to others. I told you with Thanksgiving coming, there's a lot of things we've got to make sure we're on top of is how we relate to one another. And it's so hard to be kind to people at certain times, right? It's so hard to like, I'm going to Aunt Who's, and we're gonna what? Or you might be, okay, holiday, there's a lot of stress going on, so you have issues with your coworkers because the stress is high. Or you got a wedding coming up and you got all these plans to make, right? humors? okay. Sometimes there can be tension with relationship with others and you think, you know what? Okay, wait a minute. I have, I'm not under the law, I'm not obliged to act a certain way or other and give in to these things. I have God's Holy Spirit alongside me to live in a way that honors God in my relationship with others. So, let me ask you these couple questions just to prove this is true, okay? I want you to think about your favorite moments in life. Everybody just think back, your favorite moments in life. Where was it, where did it take place? What were those favorite moments? Everybody got them? Got at least one? Let me ask you this. How many of those favorite moments involved other people? Okay, raise your hand. I'm sort of curious. Okay, look around. Basically everybody, okay? I don't think too many people have those favorite moments. Like, my favorite moment is when I was in a cave by myself. It isn't viewed that way. It's usually it's a, it's a celebration with other people, right? Let me ask you a second question. Think of your worst moments. Worst moments in life. Where was it? Where did it take place? Let me ask you this. Did it involve others? Most likely. It might have been the loss of somebody you love. It might have been an argument with somebody. It might have been a situation where there's people all around you and it's like, worst moment ever, Others. You know, good and bad moments. God wants to celebrate with us and he wants to help us in those moments. So, when God's Spirit comes alongside us, He uses us to do, I'm going to do three things real quick, okay? First thing is to comfort us, okay? Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. If you're in Romans, you're just going to go back a couple books. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 4. 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 4 says this He comforts us in our troubles. So that we can comfort others when they're troubled. He will, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. See, when the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, He comforts us. And as the Holy Spirit is with us, the Holy Spirit now gives us the ability and the power to walk along those who need comforting. So when we are comforting others, when we're sitting with others, when we're crying with others, when we're writing them notes... God's Spirit is working in us and through us to others. It's an amazing thing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Next one. James chapter 5, verse 16. Again, you head towards the back of the Bible, you get past Hebrews, you'll get to James. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess our sins. each other pray for each other so that you may be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results when God's Spirit is alongside you as he is you are able to pray for others in ways you've never prayed before because maybe you've gone through something similar or you don't know what to say God's Spirit speaks through you as you pray Praying for others, God's Spirit is at work in you. Next one. You're at James. Go back to the next book. First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. Verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another going to serve one another? Yeah. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Like, how can you say that? Because we're adopted. Okay. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. So when God's Holy Spirit, who helps us defeat sin and be victorious, is alongside us... He then allows us to victoriously then reach out and comfort others. He allows us to reach out and pray for others. He allows us to serve others. Those are practical ways in which God's Spirit comes with us and which we are actually called to do. So God's Spirit is in us, helping us in our relationship with others. How can we serve others? Okay. Again, let's get practical real quick. How do you serve others? How about valuing others more than yourself? Valuing others more than yourself. We do this thing that's called the gold drill, and I think I've shared this with you. And I went to visit a team a few weeks ago, and they were actually doing the gold drill. The gold drill is very simple. You look at somebody else as if they are filled with solid gold. On the outside, we see flesh, right? But what if the inside was solid gold? Oh, they're filled with incredible value, right? Truth is, we are created with incredible value. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We have incredible value. So what happens is they bring an athlete up in front of the team. That young man or that young lady stands there, and the rest of the team basically looks at that one person, and they say, this is what you bring to the team. This is the value you add. And they say incredible things. I I just think, you know, they had that that kid stand up. I, I just, this is what I think is really special about them. They helped me the other day on a math problem, I had no clue. So they were really kind, they, they, they helped me on that when I needed help, another kid raised his hand. I needed a ride to school the other day and they were kind enough to stop by and pick me up and go out of the way to help me get to school. And then you have a little bit more sharing, a little bit more sharing going on. And next thing you know, coach stands up there next to that kid and said, what did you need to hear today? And you could just see their face, they're like, they said that I'm a leader, I don't think I was a leader. And you can sort of see them sort of tear up some because sometimes it hits them hard because nobody ever talks kindness to one another anymore. Nobody encourages each other as much as they need to anymore. And all of a sudden they're hearing their teammates say, you bring value to this team because of this. And it's like, wow. And they sit down, coach brings up another player, same thing happens. So usually when we do this with our teams, um, there's one team that I work with, they've, they've taken 30 minutes out of practice and, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, oh boy, we just took 30 minutes out of practices and practicing on a dribble basketball. They were just all pouring into each other. And I apologize to the coach. The first time we did this, you know, it's like usually like takes like three to five minutes. It took like 30 minutes after the first one. And after that first one that took place, they just, they kept pouring to coaches. No, this is exactly what our team needs. You know what happened to that team? They're like family. Because they have poured value into each other so much that they have an, incred- they're one of those teams out there that doesn't have a lot of talent, but they go to regionals every last couple of years because they've been so good, mixing together. What a lot of people didn't know is that at one time with this team, they we had one girl come up, another girl come up, and then the girls like, come here, the coach come up. The coach comes up, and um, and they just start pouring into the coach. Coach, you have incredible value because, and they, they all go. It isn't like two or three kids. They all go. That's why it took so long. And they all poured in this coach. The coach is like crying. They're crying. They got done. They go off, go to the weight room. And he pulls me into his office and says, you don't know how much I needed to hear that today. Because here's what's happened. My wife just left. My kids got pulled out of school, wife left, haven't seen them in two days. I needed to hear that, that I actually mattered to somebody. Praise God for the Holy Spirit moving among those kids. Somebody felt compelled, urged to say, you know we need to bring coach up here. Boom, and they poured out. They valued others more than themselves that day. And that coach then shared, we prayed, and prayed more. And long story short, just let you know, they are back together. Marriage is is stronger than before. It's a beautiful thing. But I just sit there and think about how this all works. The prompting of the Holy Spirit to tell people that they have more value. It's an easy way to let God's Spirit come alongside you as you serve one another. Give more than you take, there's another idea. How many of you, you know, your spouse or somebody, that when you get a bagel, they like the top because it's got all the good stuff on the top of the bagel and the bottom's not so much. You're like, okay. And you're going to get a bagel and you're going to split it with your spouse? Give them the best. Okay? Give them the top. All right? Maybe it's that tall person that's going to, you're going to catch a ride with. Give them shotgun in the car. Okay? They got long legs. Give them the front seat. All right? You sit there and think, that's not, a, that's not doing a lot. Yeah, you are. You're, you're, you're giving them more than you take. When you start looking at others and say, you know I want to give them the best seat or I'm going to give them better than me. You're allowing God's Spirit to work through you as you serve others. Sometimes we sit there and think, I needed to quote a verse to somebody today for God's Spirit to work through me. No. You just need to let God's Spirit work through you just simply how you comfort somebody, how you pray for somebody, or how you serve somebody. We'll continue on how God's Spirit continues to work through us uh, next week, a few more practical ways. Uh, But I'm excited about next Sunday because it's it's, uh, right before Thanksgiving and we have a lot to praise God for. So come ready next week, ready to praise God. Okay? Come ready next week in the focused mindset of thinking, I've got so much to be thankful for. I've got so much to be thankful for. I want to give that to God. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you today. For truth, that your spirit is within us. We thank you, Lord, that you help us in our relationships with others. God, we thank you that you give us your spirit to be victorious over sin. God, sometimes I sit there and think, uh, I don't really understand sometimes fully what's underneath the hood in my own life, spiritually speaking, God. I just Sometimes I don't realize how powerful your spirit is within me, and so it's easy for me not to talk about the Holy Spirit because I don't fully understand the Holy Spirit. But the more I read about the Holy Spirit, how long your spirit is in me, coming alongside me to be victorious over sin, that's incredible. I'm not obliged to give in anymore. I don't have to. Thank you, God, for reminding me that truth. Thank you, God, for the simple reminders that with your spirit, I can comfort another person. I can pray for another person. I can serve another person by showing them how valuable they are, by just giving more than I'm taking. There's just practical ways, but God, sometimes I don't think about. So God, I just pray for your spirit within me, for your spirit that's within my brothers and sisters in this room right here. Lord, just speak to us simple ways to love others, to show them you. Lord, we pray that your spirit within us is active in that way, that we don't quench it, that we don't, stifle it by choosing the flesh lord allow your spirit to reign thank you god for this time we've had to worship you today lord as you're in the the center here we want to we want to shout and praise to you we've been able to sing we've been able to read your word today and so lord as we sing this last song lord it's for you it's for you that we're here So, Lord, continue to speak to us as your Spirit just sort of whispers into our heart, what is it that we need to do when we walk on it? Maybe it's not doing anything. Maybe it's just being more aware of your Spirit. We love you, God. We worship you. In the name we pray, amen.